that if you can be part of making someone a whole person by taking them to a place they didn't even know that was possible, right? Then you've got friends for life as well as customers for life. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. We've had a chance to work together. I mean, I've known about you since over a decade now. First time I saw you, we were talking, you were at the AFES stage, which was like the Mind Valley event. You introduced the concepts of wealth dynamics there, which were mind blowing at the time. Still mind blowing today, but I had never been exposed to something like that before. And, you know, from there, my God, so many things have changed in your space. I mean, we've been working on events. You've been getting into the metaverse, innovating, really pushing the boundaries for tech, entrepreneurship. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Roger, I mean, he's the founder, chairman of Genius Group, 300 million plus group companies, which include Genius U, Entrepreneur Institute, Entrepreneur Resorts. We've had a chance to work together. I host multiple of their events, and we're going to make sure for everybody tuning into this, you'll need to jump onto their platform. There's so much amazing free content and paid content that is so valuable for anybody who's on the entrepreneurial journey. And Roger, I have to ask you this. You've written multiple books, and this is an interesting question I wanted to kind of kick off the Selling with Love podcast. It's just asking my guests, you know, here you are. What do you sell? <laughs> what do we sell? Education. Education. But I would say there's a big difference between educating consciousness or wisdom versus education knowledge. I think we're living in a world at the moment where people are getting more and more separated by too much knowledge, right? Too much information, right? So there's so much coming our way. And really, wisdom is the opposite. It's knowing what not to be looking at or what to be saying no to. And it's also, you know, I love the saying, a man of knowledge, the more he knows, the more he thinks he knows, whereas a man of wisdom, the more he knows, the more he knows how much he doesn't know, right? It's like it's like that kind of like real entrepreneurial drive to be looking for a smarter way uh, to be growing yourself. So in a nutshell, what we sell is this idea that there is a revolution happening in education and that for everyone out there trying to be a better computer, well, it's game over, computers won. And when we go to school, that's exactly what happens. We learn how to memorize. We learn how to calculate, right? We learn the things that computers can do way better than us. But if we go back to what happens in Renaissance, Renaissance time, they had something called humanism, which was how to be a better human. And it came down to three things, which was all around self-awareness, like just getting to know yourself. And then self-mastery, how to become a better version of yourself, not someone else. And finally, self-expression. How do you then express that to the world? And I think that's what our whole focus of education should be. Not how do you learn how to do a day's work, but how do you learn how to do your life's work? I love what you touch base on this whole like intelligence versus wisdom in the sense that like you find so much information, especially in the field of entrepreneurship, which is a big, call it a front that you bring a lot of your education is for empowering these entrepreneurs. We'll go deeper into why it's so important to empower the entrepreneurs. But the thing that seems the most stressful about in being in this field, building a business is there's so much information and most of it actually contradicts itself. And what I love very beautifully about all the things that I've learned through your platforms and the ways that you teach is you actually give tools to allow people to filter information that is actually relevant for where they are. Like, it's so fun to look at an Elon Musk and to look at Steve Jobs and be like, okay, I need to do what they're doing while they're running a billion dollar or multi-billion dollar companies when you're trying to get your first client. And I wanted you to share a bit more about like, what have you discovered when it comes to the need to filter out this information when you're on the entrepreneurial journey? 
Well, this is what happens to all of us when we're going through the journey, when we realize, oh my gosh, that person sounded so convincing with what they said I should do. And then I tried it and it didn't work, right? And it's not not working because of your way of listening or your way of applying. Sometimes it's just the level you're at. I love giving skiing as an example, right? If someone's getting started in skiing, you know, the kind of advice you should be getting is learning how to balance, right? And that's the first thing that happens like on the nursery slopes. And if you can just balance, then the next thing is how do you do a snowplow to kind of like slow down and speed up, right? And you can do that on the green slope. But by the way, if you're on the black run and you try and use a snowplow, you're going to fall over, right? So, so what's right at one level is totally different to the next level. And you almost have to unlearn at each level to the next level up, right? You know, when you realize, oh, wow, if I'm actually getting steeper, I'll go on to the red run, you know, and again, if you haven't like skied, you might not know these analogies, but you can pretty much imagine it, right? If you're too steep on the slope, you have to actually do the opposite. You can't be basically, you know, trying to create a pizza. You have to be kind of jumping from one side to the other and your whole weight balance is totally different. We find this with entrepreneurship as well. If someone goes, here's how you go out and raise a million dollars. Well, that's not going to work for everyone if you haven't got the credibility for that yet, or if you don't have the connections to do that then maybe you should be starting at the 10,000 or at the 1,000. So what's really interesting is that, as well as the fact that there is a particular genius that everyone has, we use the Ikigai model from Japan, where we say the four things that we should all be focusing at is what do we love, which is our passions? What does the world need, which is our purpose? What are we great at, which is our genius, our talents? And what can we get paid for, which is our vocation or the levels of vocation? And there's nine of those. And the reason this is so important is if we actually really get who we are, you know, you hear someone like, you know, Elon Musk says, hey, you've got to be taking risks. You hear someone like Warren Buffett say, whatever you do, don't take risks. They're both right, but they're playing different games. You know, someone says, pick up the ball, don't kick it. And someone else says, kick the ball, don't pick it up. They might both be right, but one's talking about basketball and one's talking about football, right? So what's really important is knowing the context of what lessons you're learning and then being able to apply them in your life based on where you're at. And the final thing I'll just share to that, uh, really interesting, given that your whole podcast is about, you know, selling with love. Actually, one of the biggest things that came out of the masters we just ran was we showed how you can apply these nine levels to love, right? Like love dynamics, which we're actually launching this year is about the fact that, hey, if you're with the wrong person at the wrong level in a relationship, you're in big trouble, right? Because you're going to have one person trying to hold you back while another person trying to kind of like drive you forward and understanding what the triggers are of each of these levels and how to meet someone where they're at is super critical. And as you know, we already use this within the idea of, you know, the sales dynamics, where how you go about even selling to someone at a particular level has got to be what appeals to them at that level, rather than trying to hit them at a different level where they're just not relating to what you're saying. For anybody who's listening into this thing, like I heard nine levels, I'm hearing dynamics, I'm not too sure what this is all about. This is why I'm actually going to encourage everyone to just, if this is interesting to you and you want to kind of take a pause and kind of explore this, I'll have links in the show notes so you can see what tests you can do to find out what different levels that you're at on your entrepreneurial journey. Because a lot of this stuff is actually free and it gives you a big, big awareness of where you stand. And again, for me, one of the biggest things I discovered being close to the group, as I mentioned, I got a chance to host a lot of your entrepreneurial summits and a lot of times I realized, wow, I have skill sets that are so good for a particular level of business. And I was trying to apply it for really small business or even my business when it got started at the small levels. I was building all the things that would automate a lot of the stuff I haven't even figured out yet. And I thought these were brilliant tools to help me on that journey. So I really, really encourage this. And it's just something that's helped me immensely to just find out where I belong in that journey so that I'm not wasting time, not wasting effort, not wasting money neither. So it's been very, very powerful. So I want to make sure to give that caveat. And 
I'm glad to hear you're going into the love relationship. I mean, you're talking about raising consciousness. That was kind of your opening statement. But again, entrepreneurship seems to have been that first beachfront that you're on. And I, I kind of want to understand, like, what's the pain that you see in the field of entrepreneurship? And why is it so important that you're so bold about giving them all these tools? There's got to be a burning desire to make, because you could have built just a small business, but you're building massive business. You went public with your business. So there's got to be some sort of pain you see in the world that you want to solve. Definitely. I mean, what's really interesting is more and more entrepreneurs today are talking about race and consciousness. This is Elon Musk's big thing, right? Like, how do we make sure that we really protect and raise the consciousness of humanity? And another word for consciousness is spirit, right? This is basically like, you know, the idea of the, the fact there is an entrepreneur spirit, that we're living in a world today where we are moving towards what is called the singularity, right? The fact that AI is going to become smarter than humans. Uh, and this was something that was predicted a long time ago by one of my mentors, Buckminster Fuller, right? And when I was studying at Cambridge University, I was studying architecture. So I thought I was going to be an architect building buildings. And when I heard about his concept of the final exam, where he said that we are seeing this acceleration in technology, that technology already can solve all the world's problems. He said, you know, all the world's problems are pretty much distribution challenges, right? Like, so when we say that there isn't enough money, or no, when we say there's poverty, which means there is enough money, that's actually not true. There's plenty of money. And we keep printing more. It's just not distributed effectively. Or hunger isn't because there isn't enough food. There's food mountains, but it's just not distributed well. So he says technology just solves all those problems. So why are they still not solved? And this was back in the 70s, you were saying this, and he's saying the reason they weren't solved was because of human consciousness. We hadn't yet kind of understood how to work in abundance, how to you know collaborate with each other. We're still fighting each other. We're still creating wars as we still are today. And if we actually were to harness things by being better humans, basically, then we would be able to solve all the world's challenges. And he says, this is the final exam because technology is not slowing down. And so if we don't, figure out a way to accelerate our consciousness and be able to harness it, it's going to get to a point where it's going to destroy us, right? And that's obviously what you're hearing people like Elon Musk talk about. Stephen Hawking said that before he died. He said, like, our biggest existential threat is AI and the technology that's coming. The real threat is our unconsciousness, like our ability to be able to catch up. And we are seeing all around the world with information, especially in social media, you know, with politics, with big corporations, we are seeing a massive breakdown in trust because consciousness itself is dropping, right? I think everyone would agree that there are more unconscious messages and unconscious conversations happening in the world now than ever. You know, whoever would have thought would be in a situation where we'd be seeing these major wars taking place. And we think, well, why is that happening? And a big part of why that's happening is because people more and more are being divided by their differences. And it's a fine line between being divided by your differences and being united by your uniqueness, right? And what we do is like say, hey, everyone is unique. Everyone's got their own genius. And if you can really, instead of looking at people and where they're wrong and defining them by where they're wrong, you did the opposite and define people by where they are a genius, where they're doing something specifically better than what you can do. There's always a ways to collaborate. There's always a ways to work together. Easier said than done. But if you actually really get that, you realize that this is an imperative. This is not a kind of a nice to have. This is a must have based on where the world is going right now. Uh, and that's why I'm so motivated by this. In fact, it's why I stopped being an architect and instead said, okay, I can't be building buildings because buildings are unconscious, right? I need to be building businesses, right? Full of humans, right? That are conscious. And we can then basically look to make a difference. And that was before people were using the word entrepreneur. Now entrepreneurship is everywhere. And we're seeing, I think in the next two years, we're going to be seeing more than 50% of the entire world economy is going to be driven by entrepreneurs, the gig economy, right? It's no longer where people are basically just in a nine to five job. They're all figuring things out for themselves. And with that, 
requires a lot of consciousness as well, right? And I'd be happy to go through some of the levels and how it links to both entrepreneurship and love, if you like, because that could be kind of interesting too. <laughs> well, you know, you think about how there's these problems that happen and, you know, you highlight the struggles, the wars, but then even on a micro scale, you see about all these dysfunctional relationships, which I find is actually quite interesting because it's almost the same kind of dysfunctions that are happening on a micro scale, macro scale, and it has to do so much about consciousness. And entrepreneurs seem to be the most adaptive to actually take problems and solve them in a powerful way. And I know those tools you put together are really, really helping this. I want to bring up a question that actually comes from uh, one of my peers who speaks about the kind of journey like, I remember being in my 20s. I was very ignorant and I'm currently in my 30s. I'm still very ignorant, but still there's kind of this journey that I went on to kind of discover more about, you know, who I am, what do I stand for? And that's kind of my own process of, I guess, raising my personal consciousness. Like Jason at 20 year old, very selfish, very egotistical. Jason at 35, probably still, but a lot less. Okay. And doing his best. And, you know, I'm always expanding, but I also want to be humble here, but given all the tools that you've kind of brought forward and such, do you have a lot of advice or a path that you give for somebody in their twenties, like raising personal consciousness in your early twenties? Do you prescribe something? Is it something you actively speak about? Yes, absolutely. And I'll tell you one thing as well. I think we are seeing such an acceleration with some people where they are becoming a lot more wise earlier in life, right? While others actually take a lot longer, right? So it's not even about necessarily your age, it's about what community or what influences you've had around you, right? But if you're around more conscious people, you're gonna be more conscious as well. And being very aware, some people might be very conscious on something like their health, right? But not on relationships, right? Or they might be very conscious on relationships, but not on their financial literacy, et cetera. So this is something which also will be you know, like different compared to the people you hang out with and where they're more advanced in the way they're thinking as well. But if I was to just sum it up very, very briefly in terms of how these levels work and the reason you can actually assess someone and test someone on these levels as well is when we created the nine levels, which we call the wealth spectrum, and then now it's used in the health spectrum and it's also used in relationship spectrum in all these different areas, they all directly link to the seven colors of the rainbow, which is not a surprise because a lot of people don't realize that the colors of the rainbow were actually named by Isaac Newton. And he deliberately used the chakra colors because he's talking about the chakra levels within light. And we use nine because below red, there's infrared and above violet, there's ultraviolet. So there's a total of like nine in the full spectrum. But what's very interesting is that there's a direct link between those different frequencies, which are levels of consciousness, and if you take something like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which I think most people are are aware that there are these hierarchies in terms of what humans need in a certain order, right? And and there's basically five which link in here. The first one, physiological needs, like, you know, at the, when you're first starting, if you leave home and you've got to make sure you've got housing, you've got to make sure you can eat, right? They're the basic things you're going to do first, no matter what. And that is very linked to the red level, right? What we call the survivor level. And what we're seeing in the world today is more and more people are going to the survival mode. The infrared one level below is victim mode, right? And if you equate this to money, someone in victim mode is just going more and more debt every single month. And we see even entrepreneurs where they're trying to grow a business, but they take a dollar, they make 50 cents out of the dollar, even in their personal life. So unless you've actually earned the right to turn a dollar into more than a dollar, you're not going to do it in your business if you can't do it in your personal life. So this is all part of that foundation, which is, hey, you've got to clean yourself up, sort yourself out before you try and start a business because your business is always a reflection of yourself. Um, that, that victim mode also shows up online as haters, right? They're the people always basically that want to be anonymous, but they get their whole significance by being the victim. And we're seeing more and more of that because it's the thing that actually gets driven the most, you know, hate actually moves much, much faster as virality than love. And so that's why it has a very, you know, short-term 
but very powerful way forward, but it never lasts long term, right? So, you know, you can get someone on board because they hate themselves, but they're not going to stick around if they're going to keep hating themselves. But if you actually can bring them into a connection, into love, then they'll stay for longer, right? So that physical option needs the first steps. What does that look like in a relationship? Well, what it looks like is someone there basically is saying, you know, I'm going to blame you for my unhappiness, right? And I think we've all been in those kind of relationships where to begin with, you know, they were blaming us for their happiness. And then we're like, that's great. So we love them. But then they started blaming us for their unhappiness. And then it's like, whoa, okay, this is not working anymore. And sometimes you might marry that person, right? That might be your parents, that might be your children. But when you realize, wow, that's a level of consciousness where it's not going to change as long as they're at that level, which means you've got a choice, either help them to move levels, because some people don't want to move, or change your relationships, right? And from that red level, you then get to the next level, which is safety needs, right? So this is the second of the hierarchies. And safety needs is really when you go into orange level, we call orange level a worker, right? Because some people want to be safe in a nine to five job. It means they're never really going to be out of a fixed mindset of just doing what they're told. And some people are totally okay being in that place. But if that becomes less safe because your job's no longer safe, well, then you might as well have become an entrepreneur in the first place. When someone's in safety, if they have someone who's growing with a growth mindset in a relationship with them, they'll feel very, very threatened because they'll think, wow, this person's going to leave me, right, if they keep on growing and I don't. And instead of coming and growing with you, they'll often try and hold you back. They'll criticize you. They'll tell you why you're wrong. And all they're looking for is safety, right? And there's ways to communicate with someone at that level if you want to be with someone at that level. But there's a good chance they'll also hold you back unless you find ways that they can grow too, right? And from that orange level, which is what we call a worker, comes the first level of entrepreneurs, which is yellow level. And these link to the chakras because, you know, orange level is really, you know, your base chakra. Whereas if you actually go to yellow levels, your solar plexus, and this is what we call the player, someone who actually has figured out ways to create their own product or start their own business. But they're still the ones doing everything themselves. And they find it very difficult to build a team because they're always relying on their own genius. And so you have to use that to start the company. But it's very similar to if you take the seven habits, right? The Stephen Covey's book, he talks about the difference of independence. Dependence is orange level. Independence is yellow level. So it's like, I will do things, but that's very different from heart chakra, which is green level. That's what we call a performer. This is not, I need to make money. It's I'm going to help you make money, right? It's not, I need to do things. It's, I'm going to help you do things, right? It's totally different energy level. And you have to shift to that level if you're ever going to build a team, but you also have to shift that level if you're ever going to have a long-term relationship, right? Because if you're coming always from a place where you need things, or you're the one that's going to make things happen, it's never going to be a strong relationship. And the problem with the dating scene is the dating scene often is about basically, okay, whoever is best at dating is the one that's going to find the right person, but that isn't necessarily the one who's best at actually building a relationship. So being aware that what you need to do to date might be totally different from what you need to do to sustain the relationship, which means you both have to level up. And there's ways to always do it. Like I've seen many entrepreneurs who go, oh my gosh, I just realized why I've never been able to keep a team or why my business can never go to 10 million because I'm not asking question, how do I help other people make money? I keep on asking, how do I make money? And no wonder I'm never going to go from yellow to green, right? And then of course, from green, which is now interdependence, you then go to what Stephen Kirby called the eighth habit, which is your voice, right? So that's blue level. And this is where you go from safety needs to love and belonging needs, which is the third level, which is what we're talking about up to heart level. Then you get to esteem. This is where you're happy for someone to actually live their true life, even if sometimes they're not with you, right? That's the whole experience of letting go, but it's a higher and deeper sense of love. And if you're like that with your customers, it's the difference of saying, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna love my customer, but I don't want them to leave me, versus, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna even recommend to my customer they go to my competition or they go to someone else because they're gonna get a better 
value through that because I love my customer more than I love my own business, right? There's totally different experience that you have, but you're going to have customers for life if you think that way. And it's always counterintuitive, right? It's not like holding on to someone is what keeps them. It's letting them go, which is what keeps them because they see that you actually care about them more than you care about yourself. So esteem level and self-esteem. And then finally, at the top level, self-actualization. And when you start like going up to those high levels, you actually want to go out there and make a difference in the world. And that's the difference of kind of like when we have blue level in a business we call a conductor, those are like the investors that can make the music without ever touching an instrument. Very different from performers that actually make sure they're in an orchestra, but they can still leave the stage and the music still keeps playing versus the player, which is like playing the instrument the moment you stop, the music stops, right? Which is what a lot of people's experience are, even if they're self-employed. Each of these, I could go into more detail, but you're kind of getting the idea. Um, we all can sense which level we generally are. Our test shows you exactly which level. But then what are the exact steps to move up to another level if you choose to do it? Because at the end of the day, it has to start with choice. And for some of us, we're making an unconscious choice. And so when we know we can make a conscious one, we can shift. Uh, and a huge part of this is knowing that the community of people that are speaking the language at one level, they tend not to hang around people at the next level, which means you've got to physically change location, change connections and community to be able to actually lift to high level if you really are committed to doing that. So that's pretty much just a bit of a summary of the levels. And I, there's still the top ones I didn't even go into. And the top ones are very interesting because we have the foundation prism, which are the first three, infrared, red, and orange. We have the enterprise prism, which is where all the money flows in the world, which is the yellow, green, and blue. And then the top ones, which basically are the alchemy prism. This is where you get to the level of a trustee, like every theater has trustees and they're often not even in the theater, but they're the ones that make the theater possible. And then you've got the composer that's now talking about like, you know, violet level, indigo level going to violet. And then the final one is the legend, right? That's the one that actually is able to create a symbol for their time. People like Steve Jobs and Nelson Mandela. There's people out there right now being composers who are making the music uh, by which we are able to then dance, right? And that's the likes of the Elon Musk and the Richard Branson's of the world that, that are saying, like, we've built so much trust in what we've developed, because that's what entrepreneurs are. They're basically dealers in trust. And if you have trust in the right way, then money comes back the other way, because money also is just trust, right? And so once you actually really get that, it's like, wow, then if I can really build my trust to a high level, I can earn the right to change the world. And that's what we're seeing now with the entrepreneurs and, and with visionaries. And any one of us can do that if we are willing to earn the right and also take the ladder, not the trampoline, which always gets us back to the same place, but take the ladder step by step to go to high levels of consciousness as we go. I know we're quite short on time, but there was two things I want to squeeze in as a question. The first one was that I love the talk about being conscious about the level you choose to go to, because I see there's also a lot of entrepreneurial shaming as in, oh, you're just a worker, so you're not as cool, or hey, you're a small entrepreneur, you didn't even raise funds. Like, I feel like there's entrepreneurial shaming at all these different levels. And I want to understand, like, for anybody who makes the conscious choice to be at the level they want to be. What is usually the advice you would give for anybody who feels like, oh my God, I'm looking at Steve Jobs or I'm looking at Roger, I'm looking at Jason, but I'm not doing as much. Does that mean I'm failing? Yeah, well, I'd say one thing. Every single level is absolutely fine because the rainbow needs every color, right? So, so if someone says, I just want to be in a job my whole life, that's totally okay, provided that you are in an industry or in a space where you feel comfortable, you can be able to keep your job, right? For example, right? Some people are like, hey, you know what? I don't even ever want to work, right? I'm quite happy just being an artist. I'll, you know, basically like be on minimum wage or, or even just take from the state, but I'm going to, you know, like do good work. I'm going to look after my kids. Like whatever it is that someone chooses, 
um, is being happy where you're at and knowing that every one of these levels has got pluses and minuses. You know, even at the victim level, like there's a real plus to that, which is you're anonymous, right? You don't have to be under the same scrutiny as someone who's at a high level who always is going to come under criticism. And similarly, the higher up you go, the more challenges there are as well, right? I always look at these levels not as being, you know, about like everything being great. It's about the fact that, you know, going deeper in the ocean, yeah, the highs are higher, but the lows are lower as well, right? The waves just get bigger. And you will always see this, right? There's always a cost at every level, but there's also a payoff at every level as well. And I would say that the biggest thing in this is realizing that with each of these levels, there's upward and downward envy if you're not happy with your level. So for example, you know, I've seen people who are best-selling authors or who are artists, they're at yellow level, right? They say, I don't want to have a big corporation. I don't want to be working for someone else. I love what I'm doing. I, it's for the freedom I do this. And as long as you're happy at that level, then that's fine. But if you're yellow level and you have upward or downward envy, what that looks like is you'll be looking at the people who've got the multi-million dollar businesses and the big teams and you'll be like, oh, I just wish I had that because I'm still working at like, you know, 10 o'clock on a Friday trying to get stuff done. If I had the whole team like that, that would be so fantastic. But they also have downward envy because they'll be looking at people at orange level and go, oh my God, look at those people. Like, you know, they might not be getting paid as much as me, but they can clock off at five o'clock and they're down the pub and they're having a good time. They have no worries. And I've got all these worries. And every one of these levels, if you're not careful, you're going to find you're actually envious of the people above you and the people below you. And so this is all about self-awareness and self-fulfillment of being what actually is it that you really want in life and is the level you're at serving you and the people around you to actually achieve it. And if yes, brilliant. You don't have to be out there being the most successful person. You, you can be successful in your own right by just redefining your definition of what success is. And I think that's the most important thing. And frankly, relationships, exactly the same. You know, how you want to be operating your business and the customers you want to serve, exactly the same. You know, you almost want to be saying, would I be doing this if I wasn't getting paid for it, right? Would I look after this customer if I wasn't getting paid for it? Would I be out promoting this product if I wasn't getting paid for it? And the answer is yes, well, then you're in the right place, right? And I think that's one of the most important things is to be thinking from the point of view of definition of success to begin with. Roger, the final one I have to ask, which is you're on the Selling with Love podcast. What does Selling with Love mean to you? Selling with Love means to me the opposite of the traditional, basically, taking a problem and trying to solve the problem, which is a very transactional way that a lot of people do think about sales. Like if I can just close the sale, if I can just get the money. And even if you're delivering what you're promising you're delivering, if you're doing this in a way that is missing the whole point, you know, there's a saying, which is, you know, people come for the content, but they stay for the connection. You know, missing the whole point that what people are looking for today more than anything is connection. And if you find a way to not so much solve a problem, but serve a purpose, you know, which is the purpose of what they want to achieve in their life, where they want to go in their life, someone will stick with you for life, right? They'll even find new problems that you can help them solve in order to stick around for longer, right? So for me, selling with love is all about that. It's about basically starting from the point of view of saying, how am I being a net positive to where this person wants to go in their life? And what you'll probably find is you spend a lot more time asking people where they want to go in their life, guiding them on where they want to go in their life, because most people today don't actually even know. So if you can be part of making someone a whole person by taking them to a place they didn't even know that was possible, right, then you've got friends for life as well as customers for life. Roger, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know we had a short amount of time, but what we covered in this amount of time was 
absolutely brilliant. I think this last point you just drove home about just choosing where you want to be is already a huge level up in consciousness from what I see being talked about across circles on the internet, people shaming up, shaming down, and using that as a way to attract their tribe is definitely not a way that I see selling with love should be done. And I think if more people start understanding that it's not about the nail, it's not about making the hole in the wall, but it's about the grander purpose, that selling with love definition I think is absolutely beautiful. Some of the key takeaways from today was number one, we're trying to develop wisdom, not more intelligence. And wisdom comes from being able to actually realize that, hey, you don't need to know it all. You need to know what works and apply it. And there's so much filtering that we need to know. So we have to get self-aware. We have to raise our consciousness. We have to use tools to allow us to filter that kind of information that keeps coming at us online. And it looks like you've developed the amazing tools. I absolutely enjoy the tools that allow you to have a lot more self-awareness, which makes you more effective as an entrepreneur. And then, of course, one of the key things you said, which I think is so powerful for any entrepreneurs, is understanding that we are dealers in trust. And in a world where trust seems to be eroded across every single organization, as we go as entrepreneurs, realize that this is the most important currency. And if we show up fully aware of ourselves, looking to serve, being very passionate about it, using tools like the Ikigai as well to make sure that we're in the right industry. We're going to have a generation of entrepreneurs that are very high in trust and looking to serve, which will play a part in raising the consciousness. Once again, Roger, thank you so much for coming on the show. For all of you tuning in, again, Roger shared a lot of concepts when it comes to entrepreneurship, even how it relates to relationships, and a lot of his models and self-assessment tools are available, some for small fees, many for free, and the link in the show notes is going to let you go and dive into this world. It's a beautiful ecosystem. I highly recommend recommend you to go and explore and if you join some of their live sessions you might just see me be one of the hosts for that thank you all for tuning in and once again keep selling with love i am your host jason mark campbell and this is the selling with love podcast mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.